What's up, y'all, and welcome in to the Jack Vita Show. Greetings to those who are joining us live on Twitter this morning. It is around 9.53 a.m. Central Time, Monday, November 15th, 2021. And uh, we got a lot of football to discuss today. We're right in the thick of it. We only have a few weeks left of the college football season. A lot of big games this past weekend, some big games down the stretch here. And uh, if you guys enjoy our conversation today about football, make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you guys get your podcasts, and log on to my website, jackvita.com, for more content. I've been doing a little more writing lately, which I've enjoyed. And at this time, I would love to welcome in our guest. And to those who can see on Twitter, it's no stranger to the show, uh, my right-hand man, Andrew Stem. Welcome back. Good morning, Jack. How you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Oh, I have any complaints. The Lions didn't lose for once. Jim Harbaugh finally won a big game. Uh, I think <laughs> at least the national media will tell you that. Uh, and there were some pretty entertaining games, some interesting results in the Big 12, and you know, a, a lot to talk about. Yeah, a lot to talk about. Have you guys gotten the Christmas lights going yet? No, no, Megan's still out of town, so uh, that will be a uh, probably post-Thanksgiving kind of uh, we'll have to have to see what she's in the mood for. What about you guys? Your dad got them all up. The, was yeah, the weather my, pretty good this weekend? No, weather was not good. But my dad, that wasn't stopping my dad. He, uh, we don't have all of them up, but he started getting like, yeah, we we have decorations on our house. Our next door neighbors were kind of like the ones that took the first like stance uh, of like we're putting our lights up, and they did it about a week ago, maybe even ten days ago. Like they did it pretty quick after Halloween. And then, you know, that just empowered other people to be like, yeah, Christmas time, let's get our lights up. So nice. now we have, I think, three or four houses on our block already have their lights up. Nice. Well, that's good. Nice feeling festive. And, you know, it's, it's like we like we talked about for the college basketball or one of the other. I think it was the college basketball. One. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's it's this time of year makes you feel so good, whether, you know, you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, you know, one of the other holidays, Kwanzaa, whatever, you know, this is just a very festive and kind of, yeah, festivist, a very festive and celebratory time of year. And, you know, I, I certainly understand people wanting to extend that and, and make it go as long as possible, given how overly difficult the last two years have been for various reasons for, I think pretty much everybody. So, uh, certainly people want to get those, go ahead and get those lights out, get their trees up, get the Festivus pole, get, you know, whatever you got to get out, have at it. And, uh, yeah, so good. Uh, I'm glad you guys are nice and festive and, uh, we will look to be joining you here real soon. Yeah. And I think the other thing is that, um, it just looks a lot nicer out when like, it's getting dark so early. It's not, the weather has not been nice here. It's been cold and rainy and we're like on the edge of getting some snow, but we're not quite there yet. So you have the cold raininess and like, there's something that's very warm about the holiday lights. And I like seeing like orangish lights and some of the decorations for Halloween, but I'm not a fan of like the graveyards or like the ghost hanging everywhere. Like that's just not really my thing. Um, this just feels warmer and happier rather yeah, than I, dead people everywhere. I think that seems like a pretty accurate assessment. Certainly not going <laughs> to fight you on that one. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I, I enjoy it. I like seeing the decorations and uh, college basketball's back. We've got a lot going on in the world of sports uh, quickly before we touch college football. Uh, in like 60 seconds, thoughts on the first week of college basketball? 
Man, Gonzaga looks so good. That yeah. game against Texas, Drew Timmy, uh, you know, he was a preseason player of the year, and he certainly showed it. Uh, also, Paulo Bencaro, we talked about him in the oh, preview yeah. for Duke. He was really outstanding against Kentucky. Uh, you know, Duke looks like they could be, I mean, when you're ranked in the top 10 preseason, I guess you're already a Final Four contender. But, uh, you know, Duke looks to be even better than maybe we thought. Gonzaga looks to be as good as we thought. And uh, UCLA-Villanova was a very entertaining basketball game. Yes, that's that's exactly right. And Drew Timmy against Texas was just unstoppable. I think that guy's going to have a big year. 22 points in the first half. He just, Texas had no answer for him. Horrible weekend for the Texas Longhorns, by the way. Uh, they Texas football is not back. Uh, they Their basketball team got killed by Gonzaga, which wasn't... I mean that that's fine. They'll move on from that. It was kind. Of, it was bound to happen. Gonzaga is a lot better. I don't know if Texas is the fifth best team in the country at this time, but nevertheless, Texas football uh, suffered another loss. Um, Stem, who'd they play? I can't even remember. Uh, they beat the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, yeah. Lance, Kansas. Lance, Lance Leipold. Uh, a big win for the Jayhawks. They've been knocking on the door. You know, they almost upset Oklahoma a couple weeks ago. Uh, they have been playing much better. They've got an identity under him. He, you know, was at Wisconsin Whitewater for a long time in the Division Three and built them into a powerhouse. Uh, was very good at Buffalo. Then when Les Miles left here in the spring, he left Buffalo to take the Kansas job, and uh, they seem to be trending up. You know, they've had some some close games. I mean, the talent is still not where it. You know, there's still a gap with the rest of the, the te- most of the rest of the teams in the Big Twelve, but. You know, they play hard, they they play well, and, you know, for, for whatever reason, they just seem to have, I don't know if they get up extra for the Texas game or what it was because there was a, a stat floating around that uh, the last three teams who scored 48 points in Austin were Kansas twice and Maryland. Um, you know, I mean, they don't play Oklahoma at home, so I guess that's, you know, kind of takes it out, but still those are not exactly a murderer's row of teams you think would put up a bunch of points on uh on the longhorns and yeah you know it's a five game losing streak now i think for texas um they they got they were ahead we talked about the red river game and they were up big and then OU went to caleb williams and you know things just they got outscored in the second half and it's just been a downward slide since then um you know we'll have to see if they can get it turned around and Make it to a bowl game, um, but yeah, you know, uh, hats off, hats off to Kansas, man. That, and you know, we were sitting watching the newsroom, and it's like you got to go for two, especially because you know, like in your first overtime since you won the toss, you know what you need to do, and it's like you go for the win, you're not yeah. playing for moral victories, you you go for it, uh, and man, that that backup fullback, uh, his name escapes me at the moment, but to uh, have that be his first career catch. Uh, what a time for that, and just what a thoroughly entertaining game. And again, hats off to to Kansas and uh, you know Lance Leipold there very slowly, but he's doing a good job building something there. I'm glad that you had that game because I that was I just put my list together of all the notable games, and that didn't even make the list. I mean, it's just like it it was a notable game, but there were just so many big games this week. So why don't we run through them? And then we will uh, share our thoughts here. So, Andrew, first and foremost, we've got the Georgia Bulldogs with a another big win over an SEC opponent. They take out uh, Tennessee and Knoxville, 
Alabama had a real tough game this week playing a one win New Mexico State team at home. They win that game 59 to three. More thoughts on that later. Oregon uh, beats Washington State by two touchdowns, 38-24. Ohio State with a uh, really big victory over uh, Purdue here, uh, 59-31. They knew that Purdue was going to be a challenge for sure. And then you've got uh, Michigan on top of Penn State, 21-17. Maryland, uh, which that's the big game that you mentioned with Michigan, Maryland uh, loses at Michigan State 40 to 21. Cincinnati on top of USF 45 28. The first game we'll probably lead with is what you mentioned Oklahoma losing uh, to Baylor 27 14. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Notre Dame is looking pretty good. One loss team 28 3 at Virginia. Oklahoma State killed TCU this past week 63 17. Uh, Ole Miss on top of AM 29-19. Wake Forest, NC State, thriller of a game. 45-42 was the final on that. Wake Forest improves to uh, 10-1, I believe. North Carolina, uh, sorry, Mississippi State on top of Auburn, 43-34. Northwestern got killed at Wisconsin, 35-7. Rough year for the Cats. We've got uh, Iowa. This is an important win um, in the Big Ten race. They finish. They beat Minnesota at home, 27-22. San Diego State, good game. I wasn't able to watch it because I don't get CBS Sports Network. But uh, a nice win, San Diego State over Nevada, 23-21. UTSA uh, was actually struggling in the first half. One of with Oklahoma losing now, just three unbeaten teams. They're one of our final unbeaten teams. Uh, but they they come back. They're down against a one win Southern Mississippi team. They come back. They win that game 27-17. Utah by nine at Arizona, 38-29. Arkansas with a win at LSU, 16-13. Pitt, in, uh, Thursday night, I believe it was, uh, overtime win. Uh, they're improved to they're at uh, nine, eight and two or nine and two. Or Andrew, are we at? Have they played ten games? Everybody or eleven games? Everybody's ten played games. ten. Ten games. Okay, great. Uh, my my mistake. I called. I said someone was ten and one. There. So okay. All right. Eight and two. Pitt. Uh, good game. They let UNC back in that game. Um, if you really enjoy college football, you watched. Northern Illinois with a big win over Ball State in the middle of the week for some action. 30 to 29. Rocky Lombardi, the Michigan State transfer, is he might lead Northern Illinois to a MAC championship here. We've got uh, Florida struggled against Samford. Uh, Samford, man, that was there. Samford was up two scores at half. And Florida ends up winning that game. They come back 70 to 52. Houston on top of Temple, 37 to 8. They're a one-loss eight American team. Uh, we've got Georgia State handing Coastal its second loss of the season. Appalachian State continues to roll 31-7 over Southern Alabama. One of the teams that we sort of hyped up in the preseason was Iowa state. They've now lost their fourth game of the season. They lose at Texas tech. 
Um, 41-38, a little bit of an upset there. Tech was favored by 11 points. Louisiana on top of Troy, 35-21, another nice win for the one-loss Raging Cajuns. Uh, out west, Arizona State beats Washington. They improved to 7-3, and three. still alive in the Pac-12 race, but uh, it's going to be a real uphill climb for them to get into that Pac-12 championship game. And finally, Utah State, who I have moving into my top 25 this week, uh, big, big win at San Jose State. Utah State, 8-2 and two now. They win that game 48-17. State San Jose State, the uh, reigning Mountain West champions, were actually favored to win that game by five. Uh, so Utah State comes out and with a big time victory. Andrew Stem, that's what happened this weekend. That's that's a lot, man. That's that's <laughs> a lot to cover. Um, before we get to the ranked teams, a couple of things you mentioned: uh, Arizona State got Jimmy like fired. Uh, Washington let him go. Well. Uh, Without cause, they were just like, this isn't working. It, it, it hadn't happened. Interestingly enough, um, because the Apple Cup didn't get played last year, uh, Nick Rolovich and Jimmy Lake at Washington, Nick Rolovich at Washington State, were both in their second years um, and both lost their jobs this year uh, for various reasons that, um, one, Jimmy Lake's was performance-related and uh, Rolovich with the, the COVID vaccine mandates that uh, he didn't get the vaccine in Washington. Um, but neither of them coached an Apple Cup game. They were two years at Washington State and Washington, respectively. Last year's game got canceled. Neither of them made it to play. Uh, will coach in this year's game. Uh, just kind of an interesting little factoid there. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the Florida game. They gave up 42 points in the first half to Samford, who entered at 4-5 and five in the FCS play. Uh, they that's at a program record for Florida points allowed in the first half. Georgia has given up, I think, 29 points is what I heard uh, in the first half all season. And Florida gave up 42 in the first half to Samford on Saturday. Um, you mentioned Iowa State. Yeah, it ended with Texas Tech kicker making a 62-yard field goal to walk it off. Um, wow. I Iowa State had a guy back, and I started to think that maybe we should adjust football rules. And if you're going to put a guy back to return it, you should also be there and able to jump up, like try and knock the kick down, like a Dikembe <laughs> Mutombo type shot blocker. Um, uh, I think that's about it. Uh, the Mac is nuts. Uh, you talked about Rocky Lombardi uh, and a really good win for Northern Illinois. Uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the Mac, but um, currently, yeah, good uh, good time to bring it up right now, I'd say. But there are uh, in the Mac West, Northern Illinois is five and one, Central Michigan is four and two, and the other four teams are three and three. And in the East, Miami, Ohio, and Kent State are both four and two. Ohio is three and three. Uh, so there are still a lot of permutations as to what's ultimately going to end up in the Mac Championship game. Um, but it's great, entertaining games on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights, and. Um, you know, th- there'll be a lot of big conference games. Miami plays Kent State. I can't remember whether it's this week or next week, but that will decide the East Division title most likely. Um, and, you know, like you said, Northern Illinois right now has a one-game lead in the West uh, and trying to get to the MAC title game there. So uh, it's... it's Ball you know, State's you always tough. I mean, this is like... I was thinking about in terms of conferences, the thing with the MAC is they don't have a two-loss or a one-loss team that should be ranked. But it's like a conference that is very competitive. I don't think it's the worst. I don't think it's the weakest. I think it's better than Conference USA. And then I guess you could 
you know, if you want to maybe talk about the Sun Belt or what have you. But um, this is a conference that kind of eats itself. So these teams are, I mean, Western Michigan had a couple good showings earlier this season against some, uh, I, some of these teams have had played some close games against power five opponents. Western Michigan beat Pitt. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, uh, the Mac is, it's fun to watch. It's, it's good football. Um, like I said, you've got Kent state in the East and they're a five and five team, uh, four and two in conference play. It's a, I don't know. Watch the Mac games in the middle of the week. If you got nothing, if you want to watch some sports, put the Mac on, it's better than November NBA action. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, and then of, of all those games you listed, I don't know where you want to start. Uh, you talked about if you want to go back to Baylor, Oklahoma, that's certain. Yeah, place. I want to start there. I want to – I'll give you why I think this is a big deal is I think Oklahoma's done. But not only do I think Oklahoma's done, I don't think the Big 12 is going to have a playoff team this year. Um, it, You know, it's – they're pinning their hopes on Oklahoma State. Yeah. they need They need Oklahoma State to win – Bedlam. They need Oklahoma State to go eleven and one, and then you know you hope Baylor keeps winning, and then it's Oklahoma State and Baylor in the Big Twelve title game, and that Oklahoma State wins that again, and then it gets down to you know what other things happen, um, because I think even if it's a close game, if there are a bunch of conference team conference champs who have zero or one losses, I think Alabama is going to be out with two even though they're number two right now, if they don't beat Georgia in the SEC title game. And there are no guarantees that they – I can't remember who they play next week. Or they, got, uh, they play someone and they play Auburn. I can't right. remember. Yeah, I, they, I can't yeah. remember who's coming up this week. But, you know, they could get gotten by Auburn. So I wouldn't be at all surprised uh, if they don't even – if they carry two losses into the SEC title game. But Yeah, and a two, I think it's a, I, for another impl- uh, implication of this past weekend is A&M lost – uh, that game, a And M could have very well, like A And M could have gotten into that SEC title game had they won. Yeah. Um. So I think a two loss Alabama is out, but like if if Oregon ends up with one loss, uh, the Big Ten champ is going to have one loss unless Wisconsin, you know, does it. Whether it's Ohio State, Michigan State, or Michigan, um, uh, the Big Ten East will kind of eat itself. But the Big Ten champ will have one loss. The Pac twelve champ will have one loss. Georgia would be undefeated. And then you start to, okay, is it going to be one loss Oklahoma State? Is it going to be Cincinnati if Cincinnati's undefeated? You know, we still have one loss Notre Dame, who doesn't necess- whose biggest win is probably Purdue, I think, unless I'm forgetting somebody. I mean, they have wins over like North Carolina, and, and you know, the, the Virginia was decent win. Virginia didn't have their quarterback. Uh, he got injured against BYU, and I think they were saving him because they can still, they have a matchup against Pitt coming up. Uh, this week where they can kind of take control of their division. So I think the the rumors were that they were, unless he was fully ready to go, they were going to sit him another week. Um, and Notre Dame looks really good. But I don't think Notre Dame can get in over an undefeated Cincinnati. Um, you know, they need yeah. Cincinnati to lose um, because I think, it, you know, there will be – there will be a lot of what are we even doing here if a one, if an eleven one Notre Dame team gets in over a thirteen and zero Cincinnati team. Um, if neither of them get in, that's certainly you know something else worth discussing. Um, but yeah, it's it's Oklahoma State. So if I feel like if Oklahoma because Oklahoma doesn't have 
you know, they're going to fall from eight. They were eight in the coaches or the playoff rankings to begin with because they didn't have any big wins. They still don't have a big win. Um, and I don't know if beating Oklahoma State and then beating either Oklahoma State or Baylor in the Big 12 title game is enough to get them into where they need to be because they're going to start probably, I don't know, 12, 13, they'll be 12, 13, somewhere in there this week, I would imagine. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if those two wins are going to do it um, without a lot of chaos, you know, with, with like Wisconsin winning the Big Ten and, you know, Utah winning the Pac-12 and I, we're, you know, Cincinnati losing to SMU. Like we have to, we have to start building all these scenarios for Oklahoma, I think, to get in. Um, and, you know, Baylor's already got two losses, so they're probably, you know, it, that's not going to happen. So it's, it's Oklahoma State or bust for the Big 12. Um, so, yes. we'll see. So my way of looking at this, and I want to talk about my view of how I would decide the playoffs at this particular time. I've been doing my rankings, and I think a lot of people think rankings are – it's all subjective. Everyone's got their own way of doing it. For me, it's like I want to take what I think are the best resumes at this particular time and show how they stack up against each other. And so for me, it's like uh, right now it's a snapshot of where all these teams stand. I had Oklahoma three this past week, but I thought Oklahoma was going to lose. I didn't think Oklahoma was going to eventually win out. So nonetheless, the way I'm looking at it right now, Andrew, uh, would you agree with me that they're two conferences that stand out above everybody else this year in terms of it's pretty clear what the two best conferences in college football are this year. I mean, if you're thinking the SEC and the Big Ten, then I agree. If you're not yes. thinking those, then <laughs> then we're clearly not on the same page. But I'm assuming that yes. we are. So, yeah. Yep. So, right now, the way I'm looking at it, and like with the Big 12, the problem with the Big 12 is Baylor lost to TCU last week. And then T- we saw TCU get killed this past week against Oklahoma State. And then Oklahoma losing to Baylor. To, you know, Baylor's a good two-loss team. They have that loss to TCU. If Oklahoma had gotten to that game against the Cowboys uh, in two weeks and they're unbeaten and the Oklahoma wins, Oklahoma State wins that game, that win looks a lot better for Oklahoma State. Um, at this time, I just don't think the big 12 is very strong this year, especially compared to these other two conferences. I think that what I, the way I'm looking at it right now in terms of how I would prioritize these playoff teams, and it would be, if you win the sec, you are, it's basically an automatic bid. If you win the big 10 now, maybe if Wisconsin wins, there's a little bit of a conversation, but even then, I mean, you win the big 10 and I know it's not it's not the same as coming from the other side where Ohio State and Michigan State and Michigan are all playing each other. There's a case to be made for Wisconsin, but let's just assume for the sake of this argument that Michigan State, Michigan, or Ohio State wins the Big Ten. Automatic bid right there. Now, after that, so I think you got to get in the Big Ten champ and the SEC champ. Um, after that, I look at if Cincinnati's undefeated and they beat a top 10 team in Notre Dame on the road, then Cincinnati should be the next priority in terms of who should get in next. I think they should be in. Then the fourth spot, it gets interesting. If Oregon if Oregon wins out and they have that win over Ohio State, especially if Ohio State's in, then it should be pretty easy. Like I think that should be your top four teams. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm not going to argue with that. So we have to start thinking about, you know, contingency plans. What happens if, you know, Oregon's got a really tough game against Utah this week, uh, which could be a Pac-12 uh, title game preview. They could end up meeting twice in three weeks. Um, yeah. Or, you know, if, if like, if Cincinnati loses one of their, you know, they've got uh, a matchup against SMU, I think that it looks, seems pretty likely that they'll probably end up playing Houston uh, in the AAC title game. Uh, if they lose one of those, like, I'm I'm seriously intrigued to find out what happens. I don't want Cincinnati to lose. Like, I, I think it would be better for the sport to get them into the playoff. But if they lose and end up 12-1, and one, um if they lose either before the title game or lose in the title game. How will the committee rank teams such as Oklahoma State or Oklahoma if you're one lost Big yeah. 12 champ? And what if, you know, Notre Dame is 11 and 1? Uh what about Wake Forest? Like if Wake Forest is 12 and 1, We'll get to that. That was the other game I was watching while I was watching Kansas and Texas. That was a thoroughly entertaining game on the SEC Network. Um, you know, because they will have beaten Clemson. Uh, they've got, they have to go to Clemson this weekend. Um, you know, I don't know where all those teams are going to start to stack up. Um, we may not even need to get to them. Yeah. But if you start thinking about, well, what happens if this is the case? Or if, you know, if Oregon loses again. Because I think if Oregon loses, like, the Pac-12 champion is just headed to the Rose Bowl, and that's that's going to be where it is. Um, so, like, all of a sudden, if these things start happening, you know, whether it's Cincinnati, whether it's Oregon losing, kind of, and, and we, get the, we get this one more spot that might be available, and you get to a bunch of teams, like if, if you have a 12-1 and Oklahoma State, if you have a 12-1 and Big 12 champ Oklahoma State, a 12-1 and ACC champ in Wake Forest, you have 11-1 and Notre Dame, um, you know, if Cincinnati loses and then comes back and wins the ASU title game, we got a 12 and one Cincinnati team. Like how do these teams start stacking up? And, you know, I, there's still a lot of football left, right? You say we got, you got two weeks in the regular season plus conference championship games to all kind of get it sorted out. But, you know, these are the kind of things that you got to start thinking of because, you know, how would you rate those teams? If, if you start to put them in order, is it more important to get conference championships? I mean, does that kind of shove Notre Dame down below what would be Oklahoma state? And Wake Forest, because Notre Dame is ranked ahead of both of those teams right now. Um, you know, and I know the committee's rankings change week to week, and that it's not like, oh, well, you lost, you you have to move down, or or you won, you have to move up. They, there's a lot of moving parts that go in with this. But, you know, when you look at that, kind of how are these things going to start to get adjusted? And, you know, we sit here two weeks left in the regular season, plus conference title games we can hope and assume that it will all kind of work itself out. And I believe that one way or another, it's going to work itself out. But, you know, these are the kind of things that people have to start thinking about because like, what are we going to do if, you know, there, if, if this happens and it's, you, know, you talk about UTSA being undefeated and it's kind of a shame that, you know, they're still so far down in the rankings because, you know, what if Cincinnati does lose? Yeah. Can they move UTSA far up and far up enough? I mean, they're not going to have any major wins. Like they're, the hat, they're probably hang, they're winning, They're probably hanging their hat on is Illinois. Which is a well, I mean, it's a decent win, right? You know, Illinois yeah. beat uh, Illinois beat Penn State. Illinois beat Nebraska. Like Illinois has some good wins, and they could be bowl eligible if they get things turned around here in the last couple of weeks. But like, I mean, do you if if Utah State is or UTSA rather is thirteen and zero, like, and Cincinnati loses, does UTSA move in front of Cincinnati to get that group of five uh, uh, New Year's Six uh, bowl spot? 
there's there's an awful lot of moving parts and right um like part of me really wants to have enough of this chaos happen so that we can kind of see because i would love to see them work through okay well do we value notre dame more because we know notre dame's a giant brand but what when does notre dame currently have to hang its hat on like like that's the thing i keep going back to is i i, I believe that notre dame is a really good football team kyron williams is fantastic he's a really good rusher um, Jack Cohn is serviceable, you know, their defense, uh, they haven't had Kyle Hamilton the last couple of weeks, but they've still been pretty good. But like, if your best win is Purdue, which, you know, Grand Michigan state doesn't have because they lost to Purdue, but I wouldn't have that either. Not that I was in this conversation, but just for discussion's sake, you forgot the, the big win was Wisconsin. Well, yeah, I keep forgetting. Okay. They did beat Wisconsin. That's, so, that's okay. Right. I want to talk about Notre Dame for a second here, and then we'll come back to what we're talking about. I think Notre Dame, so I actually have them, I think I have them at six, I want to say. I got them slightly above Michigan State and Michigan. But then once again, you know, Michigan State, Ohio State play each other this week. If Michigan State wins that game, then, you know, they're moving up ahead of Notre Dame. And then Michigan's got Ohio State final week of the season. Um, so the chances to move, I mean, I, I think both those teams have an opportunity Obviously, they have an opportunity to finish above Notre Dame. Notre Dame's uh, schedule, like, I don't think it's a bad schedule at all. I mean, they've played basically Power 5 teams every single week. They play Florida State, uh, Purdue, Wisconsin, uh, at Wisconsin, for that matter, at Virginia Tech versus USC versus North Carolina versus Navy uh, at Virginia, and then Toledo was the other game. Like, that's... I think that's a stronger schedule than some of these other teams have played in this uh, top 10 here. You know, I don't want to knock down Notre Dame and like the name brands sound really good. The problem they've run into, and I'd completely forgotten the Wisconsin game. So that's on me. Um, but aside from Wisconsin, Purdue and Virginia six and four, like the rest of those name programs may not make bowl games. Like that's true. Virginia tech might not make a bowl game. North Carolina might not make a bowl game. Florida State has to win their last two games to make a bowl game. So the names sound good. Um, but again, and you know, it may not matter at all. You know, if if the top four keep winning and then, you know, Alabama loses to Georgia and Cincinnati's undefeated, it will be Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, and Cincinnati in some order in the playoff. But if something happens where one of those teams starts to fall back is, you know, where do you put Notre Dame and the Wisconsin win looks much better, right? It, it's the same thing for Michigan. The Wisconsin win before Penn State was kind of propping them up. Um, and the Purdue win looks good. But then kind of how do, you, how do you shake out? I mean, you know, USC has not been great. They got Stanford left and Georgia Tech. Like those are two other teams who are – yeah hovering right around 500. So then do you go, well, if we've got a 12 and one, you know, big 12 champ in Oklahoma state who will have beaten Baylor. Cause they beat Baylor once will beat Oklahoma and then beat Baylor or Oklahoma. Again, I don't know how the tiebreakers would work out in that particular juncture for who ends up second in the big 12. Is that better than, you know, the 11 and one Notre Dame who's got Wisconsin and Purdue and a kind of bunch of middling, you know, ACC teams. Um, and, and I'm glad that that's not my decision to have to make, um, you know, um, 
And, and the same thing with Wake Forest. Like, Wake Forest has wins over Cincinnati. They will have beaten Clemson. Now, is Clemson going to be as big a win if they win in Death Valley on Saturday as it normally is? No. Clemson is struggling. But you, it's not every team still that goes into, you know, Clemson, South Carolina and comes away with a win. And if they're 12-1, and one, and they would presumably have to have beaten Pitt in the ACC title game. So, like, you know, how do you – how do you start ordering all of these teams? And I know we can't do that until we get to the end and start looking at resumes and, and all these things. Um, and, you know, again, it may not happen, but you know, this has kind of been a chaotic year with, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think when they put the uh, Oklahoma Baylor score up there, they said this was the eighth week in a row that a top 10 team has lost in the AP top 10. Um, so with, with all this chaos going on, it seems kind of fitting that maybe this should be the year that kind of ushers in and we've started talking about how the playoff needs to expand. And if it isn't so neat and tidy with these four teams, you know, if you get to, to seven or eight teams who legitimately have a case, and then how do we start ranking these resumes? Um, it, it will make for lots of interesting discussions on, uh, you know, the, the night before selection Sunday. Right. Absolutely. So I want to bring up, because I, I mentioned my kind of idea of like SEC champ, Big Ten champ, champ, essentially an automatic bid if you win that conference you're in. And then, you know, Cincinnati, not an automatic bid for Cincinnati, but they go undefeated, they beat it and they beat a top 10 team, then they should be in. And the fourth spot, like we said, you know, Oregon's going to have to beat Utah two out of the last three weeks, potentially, unless Utah falls on it flat on its face and Arizona State's able to sneak in there. But, um, I mean, that, that'll that be a little challenging. And then there are some other teams in the conversation here. I think there's a, you know, what the committee, I feel like, would love. They would love if Alabama beats Georgia and they can put them both in. And my thing is, like, I would be fine with that if, for instance, like we talk about some of these other teams, if they fall off here towards the end of the season. But my view is like, I just don't really like getting rematches in college football playoff, especially if they play each other this late in the season, because the way it should be Georgia, Alabama should be a playoff game right now. That should be determining who goes in. This is a playoff game. It shouldn't be. And I know that it it's going to have consequences because if Georgia wins, Alabama is, probably not going to get in as a two loss team. Um, I guess we'll see the committee surprises in the past. Um, and then if, if Alabama wins, it's, you know, it's a good chance we see both of them in. I don't think it should be that way. I think this should be like the playoff game that determines which team goes to the playoff. Obviously, if it's a little chaotic and you're looking at some other two loss teams, then you could slide Alabama in, or you could put both of them in depending on what happens. Um, I think the only way where I'm cool with like a rematch is if, for instance, like Oregon and Ohio state, I don't want to penalize them for giving us a fun early season, non-conference game. That season the game happened such a long time ago and it's a non-conference game. It's different from a conference game where they don't have to play each other. And we don't want to discourage these teams from playing the non-conference games that are exciting. Yeah, no. And I think, it will be really, really interesting if, because people have been saying, you know, some of the some of the really, you know, the plugged in kind of people, the talking heads in the sport have been saying, okay, they keep Alabama at number two. They're setting it up where if they play a close game but lose against Georgia, they can keep them in the top four. Um, but I don't know how you can, 
sit and maintain some kind of integrity if you have an undefeated Cincinnati, a one-loss Oregon, a one-loss Big Ten champ, a one-loss Pac-12 champ, a one-loss ACC champ, and you're like, well, you know, two of you are going to have to sit out because we got to get two-loss Alabama in. Like, you know, if you go just based on, hey, they're probably one of the most talented teams, and Bryce Young might win the Heisman. Um, I don't think he should. I think it should probably be Kenneth Walker, but that's another discussion. Yeah, I'd agree that. with that. I'd agree that's, with that. That's, it's that's funny. Another... I feel like I feel like Heisman hasn't been talked about as much this year as it normally no. is. No, no, certainly not. I think probably that's a byproduct of all the chaos that's been happening. <laughs> um, but there are people who seem to think that it's getting set up that way, and you know, I, I. I don't know if, if Auburn keeps hanging around, you know, you want to get all conspiratorial. If Auburn keeps hanging around like the fringe edges of the pole, so that then they can be like, Oh, Hey, well, that was a good win for Alabama. I mean, Alabama's got, they, they have their win over Ole Miss, right. Or for over Mississippi. And like, what, what other win impresses you on Alabama's schedule right now? I mean, yeah. you could have said you could have said Florida, I guess, but Florida, Samford scored more points against Florida <laughs> than Alabama did. Now, <laughs> granted, right. it's granted it's happening two months later, and the situation is very different, and I completely understand that. But if we're just going to start comparing apples to apples here, you know, Florida, both games took place in the swamp. Florida beat Samford seventy to fifty-two, and I think the Alabama was thirty-three thirty-one or thirty-one twenty-nine. I, I know they needed a two-point conversion to tie the game. Um, you know, I beat Mississippi. They beat Mississippi State. It's Mississippi State turned around and beat Auburn. Like they didn't look great against LSU. Um, I was honestly kind of surprised that they didn't drop from two to three. Um, you know, in in the last rankings, either in the last committee rankings, with either Oregon or or Ohio State moving in front of them. I know that neither of their wins were particularly good, but like you know, LSU has 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 kind of gone in the tank this year. Um, so. Like there, there are a lot of people who are like, well, you know, they will prop Arkansas up, right? They beat Arkansas. Arkansas is hanging in at, at, at 25 and, and all these things. And if you want to get conspiratorial about it, watch where the SEC West teams end up in the rankings. Yep. Because this committee has been talking about, you got to have good wins, right? They said Oklahoma didn't have any. So, you know, now if these SEC teams keep hanging on at the back edge of the, you know, 21 to 25, and they can be like, well, hey, Auburn, Alabama has all these top 25 wins. You know, you know, people will roll their eyes and, and we'll wait and see. Um, but look, if, if people are going to, I hope, you know, non-SEC people will throw up their hands and be like, what are we doing here? If yes. you have, you know, undefeated Georgia, right? Undefeated Georgia. And then you have one loss, Big Ten, one loss, Big 12, one loss, Pac-12, one loss, ACC, Notre Dame with one loss. And they're going to be like, nah, you know what? We're just going to, we're just going to take. Alabama with two losses because they played Georgia close. Um, and, you know, there is a conceivable scenario where, you know, if Michigan State beats, goes into Columbus and beats Ohio State this week, and then Michigan wins and Michigan State beats Penn State next week and Michigan beats Ohio State, you know, then you've got an 11-1 Michigan team who lost to Michigan State and won't go to the Big Ten title game. Then how do you start ranking that, especially if Michigan State loses to Wisconsin and you know, there are a lot of scenarios where we can end up right. with a lot of different playoff fields. 
and figuring out how they're going to end up. And we'll let, you know, let the next couple of weeks play out and see where things are going in the championship week. But it could get real messy, which I'm honestly here for. Um, because I, I want to see somebody different, you know, and I, right. I kind of hope Oregon keeps winning just because they yep. were in the first one and they haven't been in since. And it gets so tiring seeing all the same teams all the time. Well, that's the thing is like we go through this every single year where I have my friends who are not as big a college football fan as you and I are. And they're like, oh, these playoff, this is what you're looking forward to all year. This crummy playoff where it's the same teams and they're always blowouts. And it's like, yeah, it's we it's good for the sport to shake things up we wonder why it's the same teams getting in it's because there's like name recognition and credibility alabama doesn't have to play anyone non-conference give credit to georgia for scheduling clemson when we didn't know clemson was going to be this uh type of rebuilding season and that week that was a huge game for georgia alabama like there's a part of me that wants to ding alabama points for playing New Mexico state this late in the season. Like if you want to play like a, a pay to play game, the first few weeks of the season as kind of like essentially a preseason game to work out some of the kinks, like no problem with that. I it's just, I freaking hate seeing like, okay, we got three weeks left of the season. Who's Alabama playing this week. Oh, New Mexico state. I'm not watching that game. Like, I mean, I mean, that's, time. That's kind of become the byproduct. That's sort of the really SEC thing to do if you yeah. kind of look at their composite schedule. And, you know, especially those teams that, um, you know, play non-conference like Florida and Florida State, Georgia and Georgia Tech. Those are the, you know, the last games of the year, um, you know, for that. So when you have a non-conference game late, you start playing conference games early, which, you know, SEC and ESPN and CBS appreciate because they can, you know, slap on – Alabama and Mississippi. I don't remember when they played, but if they played early in the year or, um, you know, Georgia and Florida, not Florida, Georgia and Mississippi state or somebody like that, just to kind of go through and you get these early conference matchups. Well, you know, they only play a conference game, so they're already going to have one more non-conference game than the big 10 and the PAC 12 are going to do. Um, and the big 10 or the big 12 too, cause they play the nine conference games. So, um, you know, they get those filled in and, and then you get an eight and they, that's just kind of what the sec does. You get, you get teams. I mean, you get Florida playing Samford, you get Alabama and New Mexico state. And I'm sure there are a couple more this week that just kind of leave your head scratching and go, what are we even doing here? But that's, right. that's, you know, that's, that's where we are right now. That's, that's well, they have no is. reason not to, cause they're going to keep getting the bids anyway. So no, un- until, until, until the yeah. committee says no, I mean, Georgia plays Charleston Southern on Saturday. So, I mean, let's not if we're if we're going to call it Alabama, we should well, call it Charleston. Well, I mean, Southern I'm gonna, I want to give too. I do want to give Georgia credit though because they did schedule Clemson. Like, I can I feel like that balances itself out too. Yeah, I mean, I'm not generally going to be an Alabama apologist. They scheduled Miami at first game of the week. They, true, you That's know, true. You, you know, you can't always guarantee that teams are going to be bad. Um, you know, they thought that was going to be a good win. So, I mean, we can certainly That's ding them a little point. bit because yeah. Miami has, you know, uh, Florida State might have gotten Manny Diaz fired on Saturday. Um, they've, you know, they're they're rallying, uh, and Florida State got a nice win there. But yeah, we'll we'll see. You know, I, I'm going to trust that it's all going to shake out. We've got the opportunity for for stuff to happen, and um, but yeah. It's all right. Next thing I want to get to, Andrew, here is we got so much to there's so many games, so many things to discuss. People are going to get mad at us that we're going to spend like five minutes on the NFL. 
<laughs> they, they don't get mad. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So if we even get to five minutes on the NFL, I mean, that. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. So the next thing I want to cover Ohio state, big win against Purdue. They beat them by 28. Of course, Purdue's beaten Iowa. They've beaten uh, Michigan state, a couple of top three opponents. Here's my one thing. My one concern with Ohio state is going into, I think they're going to beat Michigan state this week. I called it earlier this season. I said, Michigan's going to win. They're going to beat Ohio state. And I'm going to stand by that prediction. And the reason why Andrew is the toughest games that Ohio state has played. The toughest opponents have all been home games. They played Oregon in Columbus. They played Penn state in Columbus. They played Purdue in Columbus. They're going to play Michigan state in Columbus. That's a huge luxury when your toughest games are all at home. And then we saw them, Hey, when they went out to Nebraska, they look like a great road team in that particular game. Now, you know, they've, they've racked up some road wins over Minnesota and Rutgers and Indiana, but it's going to be a different story when you play in the big house in two weeks. So I think that is my knock on Ohio state at this particular time. I mean, that's fair. Uh, certainly fair. Offensively, they look good. I mean, defensively, and, you know, Purdue likes to sling it around. Aiden O'Connell threw, completed 40 passes for Purdue for almost 400 yards. Um, I mean, it's certainly not, if Ohio State doesn't make the playoff, it's not, I don't think, going to fall on the shoulders of the offense. Um, Although, you know, they only scored... I think 23 points offensively against Penn state when they beat Penn state a couple weeks ago, they got that uh, defensive touchdown and, you know, kind of got bogged down in the red zone. Um, you know, and, and the last couple of weeks they'll face some pretty good defenses, but you know, that just defensively, they still don't look settled. And, you know, if, if teams, if, if Michigan state or if Michigan can get to the point where they can score, I don't know, 28, 31 points, and then you see if you can kind of make Ohio State's def- or offense bog down a little bit. I mean, they're recipes to win. Like, Ohio State is supremely talented. Garrett Wilson on Saturday, three receiving touchdowns. He also scored on a jet sweep. I think the, the stat was the first Big Ten player to ever have three receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown in the same game. Um, you know, and C.J. Stroud continues to be awesome. Um, but they're not impregnable. Like, there were there were times previously where you looked at Ohio State and you were like, it's, it's just not going to happen. And, you know, this, this team doesn't look that way. Like, they may still win. They may keep rolling, and they may end up in the playoff again. Um, but they they can get gotten. And, um, you know, obviously my, my rooting ties would prefer to happen in the big house. But, look, if Michigan State goes into Columbus, they did it in 2015. Um, they've done it a couple other times. They have played spoiler and gone into Columbus and, and knocked off a really good Ohio State team. Um, you know, they've got the big plays. They can try and exploit the Ohio state secondary. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I think Ohio state can get gotten. Um, and, and yeah, it, it, it would be great if one of the two teams from Michigan did it. Yeah. And I'm, I know you're feeling pretty good about Michigan right now. Yeah. It's been yeah, a pretty I mean, fun year, right? I mean, it has been, you know, the, the mood is different. Like there was a lot of, Oh no, here we go again after, you know, Penn state <laughs> tied the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then there was that that 
sack and fumble, and then they kicked a field goal, and all of a sudden Michigan went from being ahead 14-6 to to being down uh, 17-14. But, you know, credit to them on that drive. Hassan Haskins was huge with uh, some big runs, and then Eric All catching the the crossing route and outrunning the Penn State secondary. Uh, They made just enough plays, and, you know, like I said, this team just looks different. Harbaugh looks like he's having fun. I know we've talked about this before. So we don't need to spend minutes and minutes and minutes yeah. going on. Uh, people yeah. who listen, people who've listened to me talk to you have, have heard this <laughs> spiel before. But um, you know, this team just feels different. And when they came back and beat Nebraska in early October, they talked to quarterback Cade McNamara, and he's like, "This is a game in previous years Michigan would have lost." And this felt like another one. Um, you know, when Penn State went ahead, it was just like in previous years. It's a game they would have lost. They wouldn't have driven down the field. They would have thrown an interception or punted or, or something and not gotten the ball back. And for, this team just feels different. Um, and, you know, to, to feel like they stand a, a puncher's chance against Ohio State in two weeks is honestly a feeling I haven't felt since 2016. And before then, you know, there, there were – it was probably a five- or six-year gap before then. So, like, they, they may not win, but they will be competitive – and um, you know they will they will probably which will probably leave me more crushed if they don't end up winning. But um, they'll set themselves they'll set them up for the next few years. Right, right. That this is this is a team They're that's closing got, the gap. It looks like yes, and they're on the right trajectory. Which yeah, after a two and four season last year and wondering whether Harbaugh was going to come back is is a much better feeling. Right, absolutely. Okay, a uh, couple other things. Uh, college football. We can get to my rankings in a little bit. Uh, you mentioned Wake, so you you watched most of that Wake North Carolina State game. I missed it. I didn't see much of it. Uh, There's some other games on, but I have I value actually. I have San Diego State one notch above. I think I have 15 San Diego State, 16 Wake. Um, they're both one loss teams. I think I would take the top half of the Mountain West: Utah State, Air Force, San Diego State, Fresno State. Nevada, and then there are a couple other teams in there like Boise State, San Jose State. Those are tough opponents. I would take the top half of the Mountain West over the top half of the ACC. Now, obviously, maybe that's a, an unpopular opinion or whatever, um, but you're you seem to be a little higher on Wake than I am. You know, I don't know whether. I mean, they're. I'm higher on them because they're fun. They are fun. They are they are really, I mean, it's never boring with Wake Forest. I mean, they beat NC State 45-42. I, I don't remember what the score against North Carolina was last week. That game was in the 40s. Um, you know, when they played Army a couple weeks ago, it was 70-56. to 56. Like, if you're in for a defensive shootout, which, you know, I, I don't know how many people enjoy 10-6 defensive games in college football. But if you if somebody likes those Midwest. Wait Wait Wake Forest is not for you. Right. I'm thinking about that Penn State Wisconsin game from yeah. the, the first week of the year, right? When it was sixteen to ten or whatever. Um like I don't I honestly don't know how good Wake Forest is. And I think you're certainly right. Part of that is a testament to the fact that the the ACC is not great. Um you know NC State's a decent team. They they had beaten Clemson earlier. Um you know, it won't surprise me, honestly, if Clemson ends up ranked like at the very back of the committee playoff rankings this week at, at 25. Uh, they've they've seemed to have gotten some stuff figured out. They've won three in a row. But, um, you know, Sam Hartman 
that that Wake Forest offense, they just they move, they go down the field, they they zip it. He slings it a lot. They're they're fun to watch. Um, again, I like I said, I have no idea if they're any good. They've allowed almost 300 points defensively already, um, which isn't highest in the ACC, but um, you know is is pretty high up there. Um, so. I, I don't know if they're good. If you want to tell me that San Diego State and Brady Hoke and their amazing punter is a better team, I'm not going to fight you. Um, I mean, San Diego State has the win. I think it was at Utah. Was it? I think it was at Utah. It was a yeah, late no, game. It, yeah, that was the, that was the first uh, the first one that went to the two point conversions for overtime. Yeah, it went into three overtimes. Yeah. Like the the week after, uh, right? I think it was the week after that uh, Utah lost to BYU. Um, and so yeah. Um, and then I have but, the other one loss team that kind of fits in this category. I think I have Houston one spot below wake okay. uh, value ACC above the American. Um, but looking at the resume of San Diego state, it's pretty dang good. I was disappointed that they lost. Cause I thought we could be potentially looking at another unbeaten team. Um, but I mean, the, all those games in the, in the mountain West are tough. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's a tough conference. It's good. It's it fun is. to watch. It is fun. It's uh, and it helps that those are kind of the late night games, especially because yeah. the Pac-12 games haven't been really entertaining. Um, but yeah, you know. Um, speaking of Pac-12, oh sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh yeah, speaking of Pac-12, uh, so I think we should we could touch this uh, and then run through a couple other things real quick, and then we can do some NFL stuff. Um, Arizona State. They beat Washington. They are essentially two games back. So, or well, they're they're game back of Utah, but Utah has a tiebreaker. So, there was a game that they lost a few weeks ago to Washington State. Had they won that game, they'd be in a pretty good spot here because then they'd be tied, and they'd have Oregon playing Utah this weekend. Um, that's a game they're going to look back on and be kicking themselves for. Uh, for losing that game, um, it looks like Utah's going to win the Pac-12 South. We'll see. Um, and then we're looking at. I guess what I'm what I want to do here, Andrew, is are what are we looking at potentially? We talked SEC, we talked Big Ten with ACC. Are we looking at Wake and Pitt for the uh, ACC championship? Are we looking at um, Big Twelve? How's that looking like? That's going to shake out. Uh, so it looks like. If Wake beats Clemson um, on Saturday in Clemson, 11 a.m. Central Time, I think it's on ESPN. Uh, I had this the schedule pulled up here uh, a moment ago. I'm pretty sure it's on ESPN, um, but it's an 11 a.m. game. You, you can find it. Um, a Wake win guarantees they win the Atlantic Division, and they will go to – I'm pretty sure the ACC title game is still in Charlotte. It may have moved, but I think it's in Charlotte. Um, a Wake win will clinch them – because that loss to North Carolina was a non-conference game. North Carolina's in the other division. They weren't scheduled to play this year, so they played that that random non-conference game. Um, so Wake can clinch the division. If Clemson wins and Wake loses next week uh, as well, let me pull up their schedule here real fast, they go to Boston College. If they lose to Boston College, so if they finish with two losses and Clemson, uh, well, Clemson would win, the division because they would have the head to head. And um, I think uh, NC state still has a chance if they win both of their games, if it's a three-way tie at six and two, 
uh, Wake Forest beat NC State, Clemson would have beaten Wake Forest, and NC State would have beaten Clemson. Um, so I don't know once you get into a three-way tiebreaker how all that works out. Not well-versed. Yeah. And the then the, it's also Not- messy with the Big Ten West, right? It's the West with uh, Wisconsin, and it, Wisconsin and Minnesota play each other last week of the season. And then if Iowa, Wisconsin – um and minnesota tie i don't know how that shakes out be... there's also a way because those four teams were and purdue were all four and two yeah. yeah um and i think there's a way they could all finish six and three um which would yeah i i couldn't even begin to tell you what those tiebreakers are but <laughs> um it, so wisconsin wh- make it easy on everybody just win out get into that big 10 championship game you're the best team right now out of all those teams uh, you'll you'll make the most interesting game yeah yeah uh not going to touch on that but braylon allen has been a revelation for them chesma lucy went out um and allen who's hasn't even turned 18 yet as a as a true freshman um i think 600 yard games in a row for Wisconsin, he's the offense has completely changed since he's kind of come on. You know, back yeah. to the ACC. Um, so a wake win, they're in. If they lose, it comes down to next week. If they beat Boston College, they're still in. If they lose, uh, then it gets a little bit messy. The Coastal Division will be decided this weekend, most likely. Pitt and Virginia play each other. Um, Pitt is five That'll and one. Virginia's game. Pitt's five and one. Virginia's four and two. Um, a Virginia win would give them the tiebreaker, and then it would go down to if Virginia can beat Virginia Tech the last week, they would still they would end up going and representing the Coastal. Uh, a Pitt win will guarantee them because uh, everybody else in their division would have at least three losses. So Pitt wins. So so this is if Pitt and Wake Forest win, that's what will be the ACC t- this week. That'll be the ACC title game in two weeks. If Virginia and Clemson win, then kind of gets thrown into chaos a little bit. Yep. Um, and the, the Big 12 right now, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are both 6-1. and one. Baylor's 5-2. and two. Um, Oklahoma State has... So they do, the, with the Big 12, they just take the top two records, right? Right. And yeah. that's why there was that big, you know, I don't know whether Dave Aranda was trying to rub it in, right? They called a timeout with three seconds left to kick a field goal. The students were rushing the field. They had to move them back because Baylor called timeout to, because it was 24, 14. They wanted to score again. He talked about point differential. I have no idea whether that was like really a thing that may come into play or whether it was a convenient excuse. And he was like, Hey, we're going to put more points on the board against Oklahoma <laughs> because we can, and we're going to stick it to these guys. Um, so right now, you know, o- it, Oklahoma and Oklahoma state are both six and one Baylor is five and two. Iowa State and Kansas State are both four and three. I don't. I don't think it will, will stretch out that far. Um, Oklahoma State beat Baylor. Baylor beat Oklahoma. Um, so we're looking at if Oklahoma State wins Bedlam, if they win this week and beat Oklahoma next week, they're going. Um, and then you know if Oklahoma and Baylor are tied, both at six, you know se- seven and two because they play nine league games. If they're both seven and two, Baylor gets head to head, and it's Oklahoma State and Baylor. Um, if Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State, and then we have, you know, uh, if Oklahoma State and Baylor have the same record, then Oklahoma State goes because Oklahoma State won the head-to-head. If teams all end up, if Oklahoma State loses this week and then beats Oklahoma, and we have a three-way tie with two losses, I, again, will maybe before uh, we get to uh, a couple of weeks from now, I'll try and get more well-versed in tiebreakers and, and all of these things. But all right. um, 
there's a chance for it to be nice and tidy. There's also a chance that it gets real messy. Um, so the biggest thing is if Oklahoma State wins out. Cowboys control their own destiny. They win out. They're going to Dallas. I think they play that at Arlington, right? They play that at, at AT&T Stadium. Yep. Um, so they're headed there, and then it would be Baylor or Oklahoma. And if Baylor wins, if Baylor wins out, they're also going. So that's that's kind of where we are with those. Um, you mentioned, you know, the, the Pac-12, right? Arizona State, you, you mentioned that game that they lost to Washington State. Also, they would have to be kicking themselves for dropping that game to Utah. Game they led, what, 21-7 at halftime or something yeah. like that? And then, you know, it looked like they were going to gonna cruise and Utah outscored them. 28 nothing, I think, in the second half or something similar to, to that. And that's, you know, going to end up being the difference. But it seems like Oregon's got a two-game lead. Um, you know, in theory, if Utah wins, if Utah beats Oregon this week and Oregon State wins the Civil War on Thanksgiving beats Oregon – I think there's still a small chance that Oregon State can end up in the Pac-12 title game, although I think they need Washington State to lose again. Um, but, you know, there's still a chance. But realistic, the most likely, as you said, is Oregon and Utah. So yep. that's that's kind of where we're headed. And right. uh, it's Georgia's already clinched. Uh, that we know. Um, and it's probably Alabama. Mississippi yep. needs some help. Uh, it could have been AM before they, they lost that game to, to Mississippi because they would have the tiebreaker over Alabama if they'd lost to if they'd lost to Auburn. But now uh Mississippi needs Alabama to lose to Arkansas and to Auburn the next two weeks for it to be somebody other than Alabama in the SEC title game against Georgia. All right, good stuff. Let's quickly run through my rankings for the week. Uh and then we'll get to some NFL for the final 15, 20 minutes here. Okay, so top five. We got one, Georgia, two, Cincinnati, three, Alabama, four, Oregon, five, Ohio State. You want to fight me on any of those? No, no, no. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I might sit here and, and quibble between Oregon and Alabama at three and four. I mean, because I think winning in yeah, Columbus, actually, I think winning in yeah. Columbus is more impressive than, well, I guess Alabama won at Mississippi, right? Uh, yeah. Told Blaine Kiffin, okay, that yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, we're splitting hairs between those two yeah, teams. I know it's sure. it's going to play itself out. It does. It really does not matter between no, three, no, four, five. Other yeah. than that, no, not going to fight okay. you. There. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We got Notre Dame, Michigan State, Michigan, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss. Ten. I think you probably have Notre Dame below those Big Ten teams. <laughs> probably. But that's mostly because I haven't sit. You know, I I totally forgotten about Notre Dame's Wisconsin win. Um, like again, there is not a ton of difference, which is kind of you know we we talked earlier about well, how do you start making these differentiations? Like, there's not a ton of difference I see between right now between Michigan, Michigan State, and Notre yeah. Dame. Like, I I do appreciate even though it it you know my team comes out on the bottom of that that like you still value the head to head right. Because the playoff committee obviously doesn't, the coaches poll doesn't. Michigan's ranked ahead of them in both of those polls. Um, for some reason, you, you know, we, we don't talk about the committee's rankings, but like if you're going to say, hey, we have Oregon in front of Ohio State because head to head has to matter, and then you go down four places and you're like, well, head to head doesn't matter anymore. We think Michigan's a better team. Like, come on, just 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 be consistent all the way through. Like, if you want to say, if you want to put Ohio State in front of Oregon because you honestly think Ohio State's a better team right now, then do that. That's fine. 
And, and if you're going to say this is the criteria, that's why we're going to put Michigan in front of Michigan State, that's fine too. But don't have one criteria for the top five, then, oh, once you get to spot six, we're going to flip them. Come on. <laughs> Similarly, uh, in terms of head-to-head, uh, so I actually have um, – oh, whoops, I goofed up with Oklahoma. I might have to change that. But I've got 11 UTSA as a 10-0 and team. I got Baylor uh, at – 12, slightly above BYU, 13, Oklahoma, 14. That might be a little low. I might need to move Oklahoma up a little bit. Um, 15, San Diego State. I mean, in fairness, Oklahoma's best win is who? Kansas State? Yeah, I probably. Nebraska? Yeah. I mean, that... They played Western Carolina. I don't remember who their third non-conference game was. They haven't played Oklahoma State. They haven't played Iowa State. They beat Kansas State. I mean, all of a sudden, now you're looking at their their wins in the Big 12 are Kansas State, Texas Tech, Texas, West Virginia, TCU, and Kansas, right? Those are, those are the teams who currently inhibit spots 5 through 10 in the Big 12 standings. So they've beaten the bottom five, the bottom six teams in the Big 12, they beat Nebraska. They beat Western Carolina. And I honestly, here, let me, let me just pull it up real fast. I honestly can't remember. Uh, Tulane. I forgot they beat Tulane to start the year. Like, I mean, this is, if we're looking at it, and, you know, you thought Texas was a good win when it happened. But in reality, where resumes are right now, their best win is probably in Manhattan over Kansas State. So if you want to say we're going to put them at 14 because they haven't beaten anybody, I mean, that's fairly a legitimate claim. Like, they, 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 they just don't have those wins yet. Yeah, um, I got Oklahoma, as I mentioned, 14. State, San Diego State, 15. The Wake, for, uh, Wake Forest, 16. Houston, 17. Louisiana, 18. So, basically, you got some... Well, in the case of San Diego State, Wake, Houston, and Louisiana, you have conference leaders with one loss. So, they're all kind of in a similar category. And then I... I put Oklahoma, I guess, above those teams. They're kind of all in that one loss territory. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not honestly going to quibble with any of that. I mean, that seems no, no, I, I like that. Okay. 19 A&M, uh, 20 app state, 21 Wisconsin, 22 Iowa, 23 Utah, 24 Utah state. 25 pit. Works for me. And the toughest team I had cutting this week. Let's see. Where did I put this? I actually think um, SMU. I didn't, I didn't mention the SMU game, but they looked like they got out of their losing funk this past week. Um, their team that should be in that 25-30 range. And it's going to be a good game this week with SMU and, uh, of course, Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. I, it would – Cincinnati would be helped if SMU ends up back in the back end, like you mentioned them, if they end up like at 24-25, um, you know, because they're going to need good wins. They want Houston to get ranked. Like Houston is 17, and I think in the AP poll, but unranked in the the playoff committee's top 25, and that seems to be what they're leaning on. Um, which seems kind of weird because they can set their rankings basically to make whatever they want. Um, right. So if we if we want to say they got a top 25 win, um, 
you know, we'll, we'll put whoever they beat at, at 25 or whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, that'll be, you know, SMU is, is no slouch. They were, um, you know, like you said, they, they'd kind of gotten into a little bit of a funk there. They lost to Houston, then lost to Memphis. But offense woke up against UCF, uh, 55-28 win. Um, they go to Cincinnati. It's a 2.30 game on ESPN. Uh, that will be appointment viewing uh, for a lot of different reasons. And, uh, you know, we've talked about all these scenarios. And unfortunately, Jack, I don't think a 12-1, and like if Cincinnati were to lose this one, and then yeah. come back and beat Houston in the AAC title game. I don't think a twelve and one Cincinnati no. gets in. Like they they've no. got to be thirteen and zero. Um, and so you know this 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 could be their the playing for their playoff lives. And maybe you know once they take a step up in competition because SMU is a good team. And you know since you know since Notre Dame, I mean they blew out Temple and they blew out Central Florida, but they struggled against Navy. They struggled against Tulane. They struggled against Tulsa. I'm not going to say they struggled against UC, USF on Friday, 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 Thursday, Friday, Friday. Okay, Friday. Days all run together. Um, <laughs> right. Against USF because they were up 31-7. Like, it finished 45-28, and, like, USF got back into that game. But that was a game they were going to win. Um, but, you know, struggling three of their last four games. And this is, you know, for the unfortunate matter is that when you're in uh, a, a group of five team, excuse me, I mean, style points are really important, um, and they just haven't have those. So they got a chance to make a big statement if they, you know, can blow SMU out. Um, I think that will certainly raise, you know, open some eyes in the committee room and uh, maybe put them back in the the path to be in. But yeah, or conversely, if SMU goes into Cincinnati, uh, goes into Nippert Stadium and wins that game, then you know, then we've then now all these scenarios about where do we start filing these one loss teams from the power conferences, then, you, you know, they're going to start to line up and we're going to figure out who's going to end up being that four seed. All right, Andrew, fastest 12 minutes here. Uh, okay. Chris Berman style NFL. <laughs> I'm going to run through these games. Okay. So uh, AFC North is uh, basically all these teams are either losing or tying or in the case of the Bengals, not playing, um, so the Baltimore Ravens lost at Miami Tua tongue of Iowa comes into that game and leads the dolphins to victory 22, 10 is the final on that Kansas city chiefs seem to have gotten their season back on track with a big win at Vegas last night, 41 to 14 Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers made their returns to the football field this past week. Uh, did not go well for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. They got blanked 17-0 at Lambeau. Philadelphia Eagles win at Denver 30-13. to Minnesota Vikings with a much-needed win uh, at the L.A. Chargers 27-20. Carolina Panthers, the return of Cam Newton uh, 34-10 uh, with, against the Kyler Murray Liss. Uh, Arizona Cardinals. So nice win for the uh, Panthers to get to five and five with Cam Newton back. He had a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown in the first quarter. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars come up short at Indy. Uh, 23-17 was the final on that game. Titans survive versus the Saints 23-21. Once again, NFL rules. What are we doing with roughing the passer anymore? It's just, it looks so bad every single week. Uh, we've got the Washington football team 
with a big win, handing uh, the Bucks their second straight loss. 29-19 was the final on that game. Uh, Cleveland just got absolutely steamrolled by the New England Patriots. Mac Jones looks really, really good. 45-7 was the final on that game. Dallas crushed Atlanta 43-3. Buffalo uh, also bounced back from their loss last week. 45-17 at the New York Jets. And of course, my team and Andrew's team, they played each other yesterday. It was the first tie of the season, 16-16. Well, actually, was it the first tie of the season? It may not have been. Oh, it was. was. Okay. So the Lions now improved to 0-8-1. You touched on it at the beginning of the show. They didn't lose, so that's some progress. They have an opportunity to tie their 0-16 record. Um, this would be better than the previous 0-16 because they lost every single game. This would be a tie at least. Um, this was a game, Andrew. I feel like it was it was so bad that it was good. Like Paul Oren likes to talk about how there's some movies like that that he really enjoys where the movie is just comically bad. And that's what this game was. It was like, oh, of course that ball is going to hit off that guy's hands. Of course there's going to be a fumble on this play, two Steelers fumbles. It was, it was such a terrible game. And yet I found myself enjoying the comedy aspect of it. It was, it was something else. The, the lions couldn't pass downfield. I mean, Jared Goff has not been great by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, his form from when he took the Rams to the Super Bowl three years ago has been, it's gone. Um, I mean, which is part of the reason he got traded to Detroit for Matthew Stafford. Um, but he had like 40 yards passing in the first half, maybe late into the third quarter. The elements played a part of it. It was raining, snowing. It was, you know, it was the same kind of weather they had, except I think it was colder than on that Thursday night game that and when uh, North Carolina and Pitt played that ended in a torrential downpour. Um which also went to overtime. So if you went and saw both games at Heinz Field this weekend, you got your money's worth because you got free football both times. Um, but yeah, the the Lions, I mean, it was very Lions-esque. They couldn't pass. Um, you know, it went to overtime because they missed an extra point. Um, Mike Tomlin kept kicking field goals for some reason. Like on the, I mean, they had two field goals inside 25 yards. They got in the, inside the tent twice and decided to kick for fi- kick field goals. Um, I mean, against the Lions, who'd given up like 50-some points to the Eagles a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, and then, you know, a guy who, uh, Iguabuki, who was a defensive back at Northwestern and was like the emergency running back for the Lions, he scores a rushing touchdown. Like, I had to go and find out who this guy was. I was like, I've... It, the one who scored the first one, Jamar Jefferson, I'd heard of him. Remember when they drafted him out of Oregon State the, uh, in April? I was like, "Who is this guy?" And then find out he played for your your team at Northwestern and uh, was a defensive back and was a safety and was just a a last minute kind of signing to the practice squad and got elevated. And it, it was like, of course, he ends up with a rushing touchdown. So yeah, it was it was both enjoyable to watch and incredibly hard to watch at the same time. And it is not something they will be showing anytime soon. <laughs> you know, when the, you know, when the NFL decides they want to send their, their best games out into outer space, if there happen to be uh, life forms or another planet somewhere <laughs> to discover what national, national football league 
uh, is. They will not be sending tape of, of Detroit and Pittsburgh. So you're saying that when I watch these old, there's an NFL channel on Pluto TV. Pluto TV is free, by the way. It's great. There's an NFL channel. It just plays a lot of old NFL games, and they do the NFL Top 10. That show's on there, and some other stuff is on there. And sometimes when I can't sleep, I turn on Pluto TV, and I'm watching games from 2005 or even as recently as 2014. You're saying that this game is not going to be popping up in the year 2036. No. No, I, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's weird. I know Cam Newton ended up playing, um, but I asked a friend of mine, if you look at it on paper, would Jared Goff and Mason Rudolph be a better or worse quarterback matchup than PJ Walker and Colt McCoy? Because these are both quarterback matchups. Now Cam came in and he played well, you know, he had a couple of touchdowns in the first quarter and, and they were able to kind of mix it up. But I mean, you know, you think about, some of the the quarterback depth that some of these teams have. And then you think that, you know, based on, on injuries and other such things, these were two of the starting quarterback matchups we had on an NFL Sunday. And it just kind of leaves you out speechless. I guess it was, it was something else. Yeah. And I think the thing that I'm just, I, I don't know. I think I like to defend Ben Roethlisberger a little bit because a lot of people have wanted to put the, the shortcoming and the blame all on him because he's the quarterback and he's not the same player as he once was. That game showed Ben is still valuable to this team. Like Ben is, there's a reason why they were an eight or nine win team two years ago. And then when they get Ben back, they're a 12 win team. Like there's a reason why they look so much better last year than they did a year prior. Um, yeah, Ben's not the same guy that he once was. He's very limited. He's this is probably this should be his last year uh, as a starter for this team. Um, but look, let's not just put this all on Ben, and let's not put it all on Mason Rudolph either. Like I'm starting to get to the point where I just see some of these things with the Steelers, and I just say like. You know, I love Mike Tomlin. I think he's a good coach. And if the Steelers were to let him walk at some point, he'd be offered a job um, in five minutes. It would, he would be out of a job for five minutes, I think was the line from Rob Ryan uh, about 10 years ago. And it's true, but there's a part of me that's just like, you know, head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers shouldn't be a lifetime job. There should be some form of accountability. And at some point, you know, they have a good defense, but it's just been it's just been sloppy for a few years. And they're even when they had some of their peak teams over the past decade, they haven't been able to get over the hump. I think Tomlin's an amazing leader. I don't think he's an amazing decision maker. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was as someone who had a a neutral interest. I mean, not a neutral interest, a an interest in not <laughs> Pittsburgh. I was just absolutely befuddled that um, he kicked, you know, he he kicked those two field goals. Um, and um, I just, well, and then a couple weeks ago, that he had that he ran the play where. Boswell, it's a fake, and Boswell just gets drilled in the head, and then they don't right. have a kicker the rest of the game. It's just, I don't know. Just... Right. I mean, they, I mean, second quarter they kicked a twenty-yard field goal. Now, I guess in fairness to to him, the Lions kicked a twenty-yard field goal right after that, but I think it was because the half was ending. Um, and then he kicked a twenty-three-yard field goal later. 
Um, but I mean, to, to just briefly touch on your point about how Roethlisberger still, you know, has value. Um, I mean, the Lions can't stop the run at all. Philadelphia, you know, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard ran all over them a couple weeks ago. But because Mason Rudolph doesn't strike the same kind of fear in secondaries that Roethlisberger does, even at his, you know, his age, and I, I think you're right, obviously not the same player he was uh, when he was leading the Steelers to Super Bowl. But, I mean, the Lions just loaded up the box, and Najee Harris is a good running back. But when, you know, the whole world knows you're going to run, it's it's hard to to do that against you know, NFL players. Um, so yeah, um, you know, if, if we're going to do a, we got probably about 10, uh, 10 minutes left. Um, okay. we can do a, we can do a nice little overview, but I mean, I don't want to say this, but the Bengals might've had the best week just cause they didn't play. Like, yeah. think, but this, this leads to the North, the North is a mess. Yeah. Uh, the West is a mess too. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's good because they're all, teams are all about 500, which, you know, you, you very rarely get, um, and I guess the Ravens still lead the division. I think technically it's six and three. Um, yeah, the, the slightly ahead of Steelers. slightly ahead of Pittsburgh's five three and one. Yeah, I never remember how the the um, the winning percentage gets apportioned out for ties. But I mean, uh, Cincinnati's five and four. Uh, Pittsburgh's five three and one. Cleveland is five and five. Uh, and Ravens, I want to touch on I want to touch three. on Baltimore here as a Steelers fan. Like I've always respected them as an organization. As a fan, I don't like them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to remove that. But to tell the truth, like you know, the Steelers and the Ravens have had so many battles over the years. To tell the truth, like there haven't been that many times when the Ravens have legitimately struck fear in me the way that the Patriots or the Colts at the time with Peyton Manning, or then when Peyton came over to Denver, like I always, it's always like, okay, these are rivalry games. So they're always going to be tough. And they have always had a great defense, but I've always looked at them. Even the year they won the super bowl. Like does Joe Flacco strike fear in you? No, he didn't. Lamar Jackson. He had the MVP year a couple of years ago. Lamar, obviously a great runner. Is he a great passer? I, I don't think he is. I mean, he's a good quarterback, but there's there are flaws with them. It feels like there's always some kind of flaw with them that I never fully buy in. And I think like people, maybe it's the fact that I'm a Steelers fan, and maybe there's a little bias there. Um, but there are these other teams that the Steelers have played over the years so many times, and I'm like, oh gosh, the Patriots. I don't want to play the Patriots. Patriots are going to kill us. Like, and then Peyton Manning was another one. You know, so I make mention of all this. the The Ravens, I always feel like, get a lot of love from the national media. Um, but as someone that follows, like that, my team plays in this division, I always feel like the Ravens are always like a, a high floor, really good team, but never a great team. Uh, you know, I don't spend enough time analyzing the Ravens to, to have a tremendous take on that. I just was more so surprised. You just kept waiting for them to take that game. Yeah. Um, and they didn't do it. I don't know if they didn't want to take it or, you know, whatever, but they just didn't. 
And, you know, maybe this is a loss that shakes them up and gets them going again, or maybe this is, you know, kind of the the point in the season where it spirals. They are, I mean, their receivers are good, um, you know, with uh, Rashad Bateman, the rookie coming in, and, and Marquise Brown. They have some, and Mark Andrews, they've got guys who can catch passes. Um, I'm probably not as down on Lamar as a passer as you are, but. Um, well, I don't want to say down. I think it's just. It's more that I, I think what I want to say is like there are flaws. It's not like they're a great offensive team, as I guess no, what I'm saying. And, and, and I mean, I think the problem is this year for whatever they reason, they, yeah. you know, they can't, they can't run the ball. Um, you know, with J.K. Dobbins and yep. everybody else going out is um, they just don't have. You know, they've got the running back du jour of like Le'Veon Bell and other guys that they've signed, and they just can't. You know, they just can't make it work. And when you can't run the ball, you become very one dimensional and. The you know the Dolphins kind of kind of pinned their ears back and and made Lamar try and beat him as a passer. Big moment for Tua too. I I really feel like I I feel for Tua because he's a guy that I mean he really has he's only played like what twelve games thirteen games like we're not even looking at a full season from him. He came back from the hip without a preseason last year, and he's been I mean. Everyone was floating the trade rumors and speculation he was going to get traded for Deshaun Watson, even though his coach stood behind him the whole time and kept saying, Tua's our quarterback. I, he's a guy that, I mean, a couple of years ago, Josh Allen was sort of like the guy that everyone wrote off on social media or whatever. Um, and Tua has faced as much criticism as any quarterback in this league, and it's been a pretty small sample size. So, uh, nice for him to get that victory, especially playing a little uh, nicked up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just remarkable how wide open Albert Wilson was on that big <laughs> yeah. 50-yard pass that kind of put the game away. Like That's the true. Ravens just, Ravens just forgot to cover him. Which you know, credit to the Dolphins, credit to Tua for making that throw. Um, yeah, the North is a mess. The West is a mess. Um, they're all 500 or better. The NFC West is interesting too, because I mean, we have the Rams and the 49ers tonight and I, the Rams are, the Rams are the team that I think is the team to beat in the NFC. I mean, they're um, certainly going and, after it after trading for Von Miller and signing yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. And they're going for I know it. I know they've lost a couple games. They play San Francisco. This is a must-win game for San Francisco because if they lose this, I think they fall to three and six. Seattle's at three and six, um, and then you've got. So basically, let's say if San Francisco loses tonight, there's going to be. Are they are they three and five right now, Andrew? Am I getting yeah. that right? Okay. Yep. There's going to be a pretty get, big gap between eight and two Arizona, and I think the Rams will be eight and two if they win tonight. So, and that's a division that we were expecting to be much more of a cluster uh, of those four teams kind of smashed together. Although it's it's really interesting because uh, Red Zone showed a graphic yesterday, and it wasn't with all of the uh, games completed, but it had the playoff picture. You know, now with the with this seventh playoff team, it changes, or there are more opportunities. Um, and Carolina was in that seventh spot due to tiebreakers and they won yesterday to move to five and five, but they were four and five. So it had all of the four and five and three and six teams who were listed in the hunt. And the only team who wasn't listed as being in the hunt were the lions. 
So 15 of the 15 of the 16 teams realistically can still make the postseason. I mean, Dallas is seven and two, Green Bay is eight and two, Tampa Bay is six and three, Arizona's eight and two, the Rams are seven and two. Um, so that's five, right? And then New Orleans is five and four, Carolina is five and five. And then beyond that, Philadelphia is four and six. Washington, the Giants are three and six. Minnesota's four and five. The Bears are three and six. Atlanta's four and five. You know, if San Francisco wins, they move to four and five. Uh, you talk about Seattle being three and six. Like, there are a lot of teams who can still harbor playoff aspirations. Um, you know, there's a lot of football left and still going to kind of shake out. But, I mean, this is, you know, if you're Minnesota, if you're the Bears, like, you don't have to punt on the season. I mean, even Seattle, you know, they lost yesterday right. with Russell coming back three and six. I mean, they're not that far out of a playoff spot. Like it's not it's true. You know, you win a couple in a row, Carolina loses a couple in a row. All of a sudden, you know, five, and we six also have and, an extra game this year too. Yeah. And not, so we'll, you know, it's the NFC as a whole is a mess. I mean, there are, there there's the cream is kind of settled at the top. I feel like yep. even though they lost yesterday, you know, kind of the, the top four, top five teams, Dallas, Green Bay, Tampa Bay lost yesterday, but I think you'd still put them in there. And then Arizona and the Rams, and then spots six and seven for the playoffs are wide open. I mean, do we think New Orleans with Trevor Simeon can keep winning enough? They competed well in Tennessee. We didn't really talk about, talk much about sure. that game, but they yeah. competed well yesterday but didn't win. Um, you know, it broke down that they had a missed extra point and then had to go for two and didn't get the two point conversion. So the Titans end up winning by a couple, but I'm all uh, over the place today, Andrew. I want to touch on another AFC North team. Okay. Cleveland Browns are, they should be so good. Like on paper, I can't, I I can't figure them out. They are, they looked so good last week. You know, they, 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 they struggled against Pittsburgh the week before that. They looked so good last week. They looked so terrible yesterday. I just just can't figure them out at all. And you're right. They should be good. And I know they've got, you know, Kareem Hunt um, and, and Nick Chubb were out for, for injury slash COVID. So uh, the, the Ernest Johnson experience didn't go quite as well the second time as it had on that Thursday night against the Broncos. But still, I mean – you know, and New England is playing better. You know, Mac Jones, you said three touchdowns, and Ramondre Stevenson rushed for two. But like, if you want to compete and be a legitimate contender in the AFC, you cannot go to Foxborough and lose by thirty-eight points. You just you can't right. do it. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if this is going to be Baker's last year in, with Cleveland because it's just like I, I really feel like if they had, you know, pick a name out of the hat of one of these. Whether it's Lamar Jackson, who, by the way, I want to be clear, I think Lamar's, I think Lamar's really good. I was saying when I said he's not a great passer, I think he's a good passer. I just don't think he's like you know Patrick Mahomes. Um, but you know there are a number of really good quarterbacks in this league. Josh Allen. Uh, speaking of Patrick Mahomes, of course, uh, you know you could go down the list. There are a bunch of them. If you had replaced one of those guys. Uh, in the spot of Baker Mayfield, I mean, the Browns would be so good. Did I lose you? You still here? 
Andrew, you're frozen. Like, you know, he can stay. Oh, there you go. Um, I mean, there's still things he does that I can got kind of, it got very slow. Can you still hear me now? You're good now. I We're can done. hear you now. Yeah. You're, you're still on. We're still going. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that's good. Um, yeah, I, you know, he still makes plays that kind of leaves you in awe. Um, like yeah. he's capable of doing that, but his, you know, his consistency, and I know he's been hurt. Like Case Keenum had to come in yesterday and, you know, I, I don't know whether that was all the injury or, you know, being just ineffective and getting pulled or whatever. Like he's still pretty skilled, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it may very well be time for, for Cleveland to move on and, and go in a different direction. Well, you know, when they, they still have seven games left in the regular season, you, know, you talked about there being a, that additional 17th game. Now that may go a long way, how they finish these last seven games toward determining kind of what his future with the team is. All right, Andrew, uh, this was great. Nice hour and a half pod for the listeners. Uh, plenty of football covered, a little bit of college basketball at the beginning. He's Andrew Stem at a Stem double zero on Twitter, and he writes at the Omaha World Herald. Thank you so much for coming by, Andrew. Always a treat, and I'm sure we'll be doing it again soon. Sounds good, Jack. Always good to talk sports with you. Have a good day, man. All right, and that does it today for our conversation with Andrew Stem. Make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita Show wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and follow along at Jack Vita Show on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Facebook, and then log on to my site, jackvita.com, for more content. I've been writing a lot. I'm working on a piece this week about how the Atlanta Braves built a winner in Atlanta. Uh, Should be a lot of fun. So make sure you guys all check it out. We'll have another episode coming out soon. I'm sure we'll be recapping uh, next week's football, and maybe we'll have a couple other surprises along the way sometime over the next few weeks. Uh, We will see. I've been a little busy, so... Uh, Again, until our next episode, I am Jack Vita, bringing the dancing lobsters.